It is that time. Grass withers, flower fades. But there is one constant the word of the living God. You know, if I had more of that preacher voice, I'd give it to y'all more often, but it's just. It's just not how I'm built. <laughs> but believe me, there are times in my head I was like, man, that would have been a good spot right there. But I was not gifted with such. <laughs> I worked I work mine. But um, I hope that the, the conversation that, that we've been having, uh, the cross on my soul, has, has, it been, has it been blessing us? Please shake your head or something. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure that we that we are receiving something uh, from the word that that was that was a pillar before my wife and I said yes to to doing this. What we did not want to sign up for was Sunday entertainment. I'm not an entertainer, and I don't have the life span, energy, nor time in my 24 hours that I want to give to entertain anybody. I'm not. I don't. I don't do that. If we're going to conversate, we're going to conversate. We're going to open the book, we're going to open the book. And, and, we're, going, and we're going to have conversation. If you want to be entertained, you, you got to go find another, another stream. That's not, that's not us. That's not what we do. But I'm going to tell you what we do. We get stronger. We build strength. You weak and you need strength, we got you. Got you there. Conditioning, got you. Because the greatest strength builder of all time <laughs> in the word of God is where we find ourselves every week. No matter who it is that's holding the microphone, there's something that's going to be said that we believe is going to, going to add strength to you. And so uh, the cross on my soul has been, been a great conversation. How, how exactly is the cross supposed to impact me in my mind, my will, my emotions, and my heart? In other words... How do I carry the experience beyond me saying the prayer? Carry the experience beyond I got saved. That's wonderful. That is beautiful. That is the starting block. You, you can't spend it in uh, eternity with him if you don't take care of that. Your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life if you don't take care of that. So not downplaying salvation in the slightest bit, but if it only is regulated to something I did when I was 10 and it does not make its way into how I uh, react to situations, how I do life how I choose who I'm going to marry how I choose to raise my children how I choose what job to take what friends to involve myself with what things to purchase, what things not to if, if it doesn't uh, start to uh, get itself involved in those affairs then I'm not really getting the full hilt of what was paid for I'm not because salvation is a, is a total package with it. Inclusive within that was the fact that my soul was redeemed from the pit of hell and the inner man of me is secured with forever being with him. But then uh, what also happened with me is the fact that I got emptied of what separated me from God, sin. But now I have been filled with something else, his spirit. 
being filled with his kingdom. So now I'm supposed to be operating based off of what I'm not filled with. And that's what we're talking about in this conversation of, of the cross on, on my soul. And uh, now we're going to go into the next installment as far as the, the emotional aspect. Remember the emotion, the seat of my desires and my impulse, the, the, Im, the impulse part of me, that part of me that tends to operate without me putting much thought to it. And it's, it's amazing how there are so many things that, that tend to operate in a way without me having to put a lot of conscious thought to it. And uh, where we're going today is, is going to open up the can a little bit more of where we were at last week. So we're going, we're still talking about that, that impulsive nature, that impulsive self-critic that, that arises in the moment of weakness and fault and just immediately tends to try to push me away from the promise of God. You ever notice how that self-critic, I mean, never has anything good to say even in if we can call it your best day where you would say you firing on all cylinders you couldn't have got it more right you you couldn't have had a better day with the wife with the kids with the husband with the kids and something flares up in the back of your mind of yeah it ain't gonna last forever though you ain't got to say amen i know i'm right about it Things, things couldn't flow more smoothly at work and in the back of your head this is unusual let me go ahead and get myself ready because something and that that voice within us what we want to look at today uh, my, my subject for today is it's in the stride it's in the stride and, and really what we're doing today is a bit of a case study. We're going to look at two biblical characters. And, and we're going to look at how that, that emotional impulse in the day of weakness. We're going to see weakness with both of them. How it impulsively moved them away from the Lord. But only one of them made their way back. Yet, I'm gonna, I believe I'm going to prove it scripturally. It was available to both for them to return back. But only one of them made their way back. So let's let's look at this and look at look at the stride that they had that led them away, but only one came back. And what it is that the Lord can conversate with us with this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this time. Thank you for this moment of where we are about to feast from the bread. We're hungry people, Lord. We want to hear what it is that you have to say to us. And we thank you, Lord for your bread that you are about to uh, allow us to feast with. Thank you, God, that we have a seat, space at the table. We're pulling ourselves up, Lord. We want to hear what it is with us as the Lord. Holy Spirit, we make room, make space for you to do what it is that you do best. I ask, Lord, that you help me preach it in the same way that it was delivered to me. And I thank you, Father, that everyone will walk away strengthened from this time. Everyone, including the one holding the microphone, Lord. Thank you, God, for the strength that is about to be added into our life. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. 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 Thank you, Ryan. It's, it's in the stride. It's in the stride. You know, when we say when I say in the stride, I'm talking about it's it's in the 
It's in the progress that I make. It's in the direction that, that I'm choosing to go. I ran distance running in, in high school. And, and stride was important. It was important because it, it, kept, it kept my pace going in the direction that, that, that I needed to go. It kept my focus in the direction that, that I needed to go. And it, and it it kept it kept my movement and it kept me going and it kept my it kept my uh, team's hope within me that that I was gonna do do my best. But if I was if I was striding, uh, fortunately this never happened to me, but I did see it happen in races. Uh, striding in the wrong direction, striding in the wrong direction was uh, was critical. In, in, those, in those races. Didn't see it but a handful of times, but when I, when I saw it, it was, it was just this total out of the norm type, type situation. And what we're about to look at with, with uh, the, these two characters, we're looking at Peter and Judas to, uh, to be exact. We're gonna look at how they both caught a wrong direction stride, but only one made made his way back yet it was available to both and I wanted to bring Judas within this because most of the time when Judas gets involved in conversation there's almost like this this repulsiveness that we have rise up within us when we think about Judas as if he is an anomaly that we cannot find any kind of similarities in him with us Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let me just talk for Jermaine. I'm going to talk with Jermaine. When Jermaine hears the word Judas, there's almost like this sense of pride that rises within me that says that I would never <laughs> find myself in that. Yet, yet I, I, that's not uh, completely... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for, Pastor A.B.? Maybe fair, maybe accurate. And the point, point I'm getting at is I did not have all of the different building blocks and scenarios and situations of the life of Judas for me to be able to make an accurate assessment as to what I would do being under that circumstance. So, so it does us well. This just sidebar. This ain't this in the message, but just a sidebar that before I look at somebody's life and come to a conclusion that they should or they should not or they should do this better or stop doing that, maybe I need to make sure that I recognize that I don't have everything going on that they have going on. I don't know everything that's happening with them. I don't know everything that has happened to them that has led them down a series of courses of different decisions and things that they made that led them up to this point. I don't have all of that information. Hence why the Lord makes it known to us Matthew chapter 7 that judge not lest ye be judged. Why? Why is it so important not to do that? A judge is one who makes a, a verdict and a decision once all the information comes in. And there's only one. One who sits over us all who has all the marbles, all the information. I saw everything. I am Alpha and Omega. I am beginning and end. Saw everything with everybody. So therefore, know why 
They've come to that spot. And we're going to look at that with Judas because there's spaces within Judas's life that because it's so repulsive whenever his name comes up that we don't even get a chance to actually examine and go into his life to see exactly why that impulsive nature led him in the decisions that he made. But first off, first point, in weakness too often, we impulsively build a stride that runs from the Lord instead of running to. See, this is the foundational thought that I want to jump off of from last week. Remember, we were talking about Adam, how he, he was, uh, when Eve was made, how he was naked and he and his wife were naked and they did not have any shame attached to it. So they spent time uh, being naked, which we equated to uh, vulnerability. They had no need for anything to be hidden. They had no no thought within them that somebody is going to do something to me that I need to protect myself, self-protection, uh, defense mechanism. N- none of that exists. And they're in this state that's called nakedness. Then after they eat of the fruit, the Bible says that their eyes are open. They realize that they're naked and then they go and they make uh, they make the suits out of the fig leaves for themselves and whatnot, saying that now the very same position that you were in before because of what it is that you've done in disobedience, it has led you on a different stride and is leading you away from something that was never a danger for you. And too often in weakness, then then let me keep going with that. So after they do that, the Lord comes and confronts with Adam. Where are you? What's happening? And he says that he's afraid because he heard because he heard his voice in the garden and he was naked. So all of this is happening within him in the moment of weakness and how he has now instead of going toward the one who has the key to resolve the issue. He looks at him as a threat and pulls away from too many times within my life. I can look and see that the one who had the one who held the key was the one that I was trying to spend the least time least time with. The one I was trying to pull push away from, and I guess in in my non logic that was there, try and resolve it myself, try and handle the situation myself, and then come to give him a report of look, Lord, look at all the, look at what I did. You don't have to worry about it, Lord. I, I took care of it, as if that's what he wanted to hear. You understand this is the father of all fathers that we're talking about so in the moment of weakness he he is looking for his child to return and to say i need to talk to you i, I, I can't i can't wait to talk to you in that time yet even that very statement even inside of me right now that very statement makes me cringe and bothers me that someone in my my worst moment of weakness would look at me and say you've never been stronger would look at you and say you've never been stronger than you are right now. Why? Because now you're in a moment and you're in a space to where you have qualified for a greater level of strength. You don't believe it. Let me prove it to you. Let the weak say, I am strong. Yet in in human nature, I try and push myself away from everything That's going to make me look weak, 
be weak, appear weak in someone else's eyes. I, I cannot have that. And Adam in that weakness in the garden has run away from and trying to resolve the issue for himself. But bringing this conversation back to remember the cross on my soul. The work of the cross has been made for us so that we have the ability to tap into a greater strength. No longer depend on my own. No longer depending on my own. So in weakness, too often we impulsively build that stride that pushes us away from the Lord instead of toward him. Parents in here, you know what I'm talking about. Child messes up, has done something more times than not. We're not trying to, they're not trying to come. My children are very small, so I'm seeing this like live and in action. Something's off. It's very quiet upstairs. What is happening? Go upstairs, mess is everywhere. Or go upstairs, there's tears and four eyes. I got two kids. Have overheard them arguing with each other. Pretty much know what's happened, but I want to hear them tell me. But do they? Mm -mm. Why? Because there's something within us that says that when, when I have slipped into disobedience, slipped into something that I was not supposed to do, that this mechanism rises up in me that I got to protect myself from what's on the other side of that. Not recognizing that when I'm in the presence of true love, in the presence of a true father, in the presence of a true mother, that is the time where that vulnerability needs to be open. Now, the vulnerability being open doesn't mean that consequence is going to be averted. But what it does mean is that condemnation does not get to exist here. The essence of who you are has not changed. You, you, you are not less because of this. You stumbled. Now in the stumble, there is a consequence that's in the mix and the consequence may be painful. But if it did not allow the consequence to come, then you become illegitimate. You become illegitimate and you're not actually who, who I say that you are because the, the, the qualification of being a child of God, being a child, at least of the Codley household, is that the, con the consequence has to come. I had actually had to take care of that over the weekend. It hurt my heart. To discipline one of my kids. But but if if I did not do that, there is a disservice that I give to them in not allowing the consequence to come. But 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 there, there's so often when whenever I step in disobedience or something that I did or I didn't do, that, that inner critic rises up, that defense mechanism rises up, and I, I just don't want to face what's what's on the other side. But what's on the other side is actually a lot more safer for me than for me to trust in the defense that rises up within me that says that I can take care of it myself. You're not built to do that. Why? Because you're in a kingdom who your, your king is your father as well. And in being your king and in being your father, I've got to be able to go to him in that day of error and in that day of trouble. Let's, let's look at Let's look at Peter and Judas and, and, and examine a few things with, with them and see 
See what happened with them. So you got Peter and G, uh, Judas, two disciples who walked with Jesus. But both of them have situations that come up when they run or stride from the fuel of emotional perspective. But both of them, I mean, but only one of them was able to experience redemption of their emotions because of their choice to run back to Jesus. Number one. Let's look at the fact that both of them know both of them knew what it was to be demonically influenced and experience rebuke from him. So th- this is the show that the Lord didn't have a stronger love for one than the other. He didn't have a stronger love for Peter than he did for Judas. He didn't have greater plans for Peter than he did Judas. It it the, what the the conclusion of both of their lives is being led by emotional impulses being being corrected in Peter but incorrected not able not getting a chance to be corrected in Judas. So let's look at that. Let's look at Peter first. Matthew sixteen twenty one to twenty three. I just realized I didn't give y'all any scriptures. I apologize about that. I actually got quite a bit, so I'm actually just gonna say them. Uh, you you can look at them on the screen if you're gonna uh, notate it though to study later on. Uh, you, you can do that as well. But Matthew 16, 21 to 23. Most of my scriptures are coming out the Passion Translation. So let's go. This is, uh, this is Peter and uh, the, the run-in that he had with accepting demonic influence. From then on, Jesus began to clearly reveal to his disciples that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and surf, suffer injustice from the elders, leading priests, and religious scholars. He also explained that he would be killed and three days later be raised to life again. 22. Peter took him aside to correct him privately. Peter reprimanded Jesus over and over, saying to him, God forbid, master, spare yourself. You must never let this happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get out of my way, you Satan. You are an offense to me because your thoughts are only filled with man's viewpoints and not with the ways of God. Now give me uh, John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 26 to 30. Now this is, this is Judas' run-in. So this context here, the Lord is, uh, they're at the Last Supper and whatnot. He just said that one of them is going to betray and Apostle John asked him, who exactly was it that, that was going to do it? And then this is what he says next. Verse 26, the one I give this piece of bread to after I've dipped it in the bowl, Jesus replied. Then he dipped the piece of bread into the bowl and handed it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Next verse. And when Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Keep that in mind. And when Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus looked at Judas and said, what you're planning to do, go do it now. Next verse. None of those around the table realized what was happening. 29. Some thought that Judas, their trusted treasurer, keep that in mind too, their trusted treasurer, was being told to go buy what was needed uh, for the Passover celebration or perhaps to go give something to the poor in verse 30. So Judas quickly left quickly and went out into the dark night to betray Jesus. So both, in the case study, both have been uh, demonically influenced 
Both know what it is to be, uh, both also know what it is to be, to be rebuked by the Lord. I'm trying to, trying to build this case to, to, to show that like there isn't this chasm of separation or chasm of difference between Peter, between Peter and Judas. And, and, and both, both of them are, uh, in a, in a time to where they are receiving from the Lord, that they're, they're, they're receiving insight from Him, that they're, they're, they're receiving instruction from Him, they're learning what it is to be disciples, they're learning what it is to grow, uh, in the ways of the Lord and grow in the ways, uh, of His teaching. But they, to our, our people who have issues, who have things that are happening and things that are going on within their life and still being considered disciples. So they're, they're in this, this tug of war that they're all in as to make sure that the stride that I'm on is leading me toward him and leading me toward what it is that he is saying and not away in, in my day of error and in my day of mistake. Because the cross, now the cross, Technically, it has, has not happened yet in the context of where it is that we're talking about. But for us, the finished work of the cross builds a bridge to where in my day of error, in my day of mistake, in my day to where I feel my feels, my emotions are trying to lead me down a path in my mind to get me to agree with something that is not the promise of God. I've got a bridge to be able to get to him. And in getting to him, being able to have those emotions regulated and saying, Lord, this is what's happening within my mind. This is what's happening within my heart. I know this not to be true, but this is the thought. You've got to make sure that you're able to have those kind of conversations and be that honest with the Lord and saying, this is what's happening in my head. I know it's not right, but this is where I am right now. This is where I am right now. Because if you can't have that conversation with the Lord. I'm not sure that you're going to find somebody that you'll be able to have that conversation with. If you cannot first have that conversation with the Lord, I believe that that, that's the first place that I have that conversation. And then from there, I'm able to find those who who are uh, filled with his spirit, who are of like-minded passion and those who who are on the same journey as I am to be able to come and bring uh, a sense of support and bring a sense of uh, emotion regulation to make sure that that I'm going in the direction that that I should be going. So this is where Peter and Judas find themselves. Yet both, both of them know what it is to be demonically influenced. Both of them know what it is to run from the Lord. In John 13, we see, we see right here that Judas left quickly from the table and is running from the Lord to be able to go and betray. But let's, let's look at it now because we're going to look at the two uh, biggest uh, things that, that Peter and Judas are known for in, in the sense of uh, uh, striding away from the Lord. With Peter, of course, it is the denial. Uh, the Lord told him that, you know, before, before the cock crows, uh, three times, I believe it was. He said that uh, that you you gonna you gonna deny me three times that that you that you even know me. And of course, Peter puts up the fight. I'm not gonna do that. Everybody else might do that. I'm not about that life. I I will die for you here here and now. Like that's that's me. Like I'm I'm as loyal as loyal can get. Jesus, you got me confused with another one of them. To which uh, the Lord says, you know, okay, you know, we'll we'll see. So let's look at that. Luke 22, because what we're looking at right now is is I would say, arguably, scripture-wise, the lowest point we ever find Peter. This is the lowest point that we ever find him. Luke 22, this is uh, verse 54 to 62. 
So the religious leaders seized Jesus and led him away. But Peter followed from a, <laughs> from a safe distance. They brought, they brought the Lord to the home of the high priest where people were already gathered out in the courtyard. 55, someone had built a fire, so Peter inched closer and sat down uh, among them to stay warm. A girl noticed Peter sitting in the firelight, staring at him. She pointed him out and said, this man is one of Jesus' disciples. Peter flatly denied it, saying, what are you talking about, girl? I don't know him. 58, a little while later, someone else spotted Peter and said, I recognize you. You want his, I know it. Peter again said, I'm not one of his disciples. Then about an hour later, someone else identified Peter and insisted he was a disciple of Jesus saying, look at him. He's from Galilee, just like Jesus. I know he's one of them. But Peter was adamant. Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't you understand? I don't even know him. Do, do you see the emotional impulse at work here? You, do, we, do, do we see it? The emotional impulse of they have taken Jesus and they're about to do him harm. If I stay connected to the declaration that I made, it's going to put me in a place of pain too. So the emotional response of that defense mechanism to protect me he is saying out of this, with these uh, statements that I don't know him out of sheer protection for himself. Just that sheer protection for himself and, and what the cross has made available to us with, with uh, uh, allowing this to die within us is the fact that I don't have to be so adamant of protecting me like that anymore. The, the way has been made to where there, uh, there, there is an openness that I can now flow with within life and an openness that I can flow with in who it is that I serve and who it is that I believe. Now, th this, this is an understanding that honestly is difficult for American Christians to come to because we don't live in an area and uh, we don't live in a part of the world to where there is a massive physical persecution that comes to us because of what it is that, that we believe. We have brothers and sisters that are in uh, nations around the world who have a greater understanding than what it is that I'm saying with this because they literally die and they are beheaded because of who it is that, that they believe in and they understand that and gladly accept it because of what it is that has, that has been found in the Lord Jesus. And although we don't, we don't live in a part of, uh, of the world that physically persecutes us because of what it is that we believe, I still believe, though, that, that, that there is a, a power that we are able to tap into just, just as they are with me saying that I no longer have to throw up that, that de defense and allow that, that self-critic to come up within that tries to build tries to build that protection. I felt like I was rambling right there, but, but it, felt, it felt good in the moment. So, but Peter was adamant, listen, I don't uh, know what you're talking about. Don't you understand? I don't even know him. While the words were still in his mouth, the rooster crowed. Next verse. At that moment, the Lord, who was being led through the courtyard by his captors, turned around and gazed at Peter. 
All at once, Peter remembered the words Jesus had prophesied over him. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. In 62, Peter burst into tears, ran off from the crowd, and wept bitterly. Low moment. Low moment. And out of this 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 emotional moment is building a stride that pushes him away from the Lord. Low moment, low time. And just reading it, just feeling the feeling the emotion of I did exactly what he what he said I was going to do. I messed up. Told him I wasn't going to do it again, and yet here I am. Told him I wasn't going to say that again. Told him I wasn't going to be around that person again. Told him I wasn't going to look at that. And yet here I am again. Low moment. But what we do in those low moments is key and crucial. As to the, st- the stability of our mind, the stability of our heart, the, the uh, openness of our heart of receiving what has been given. There's a gift that was given by the cross. And there's a gift that's given by the cross that builds that bridge for me to make the stride to him and not away from him. But let's look at Judas. So Peter, low moment. Peter knows what it is, demonically influenced. Peter, low moment, denied him. Judas, knowing what it is to be demonically influenced. Judas, let's look at the low moment. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27, verse 3 through 8. Now, when Judas the betrayer saw that Jesus had been sentenced to death, remorse filled his heart. Mm. Remorse fills his heart. He returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and religious leaders, saying, I have sinned because I have betrayed an innocent man. They replied, why are you bothering us? That's your problem. Verse 5. Then Judas flung the silver coins inside the temple and went out, hanged himself. 6. Chief priest, picking up the pieces of silver, said, we can't keep this for it's unlawful to put blood money into the temple treasury. So after some deliberation, they decided to purchase a potter's field of clay, use it as a cemetery for uh, burying strangers, and it's, uh, and it's called the, the field, the field of blood. And give me a, go back to verse 3, because I want to I stick a pin in the fact that remorse, remorse fills his heart. Remorse fills his heart, showing that Judas is a person. Judas is not this this character uh, that happens to be one of the disciples who's like the villain. I feel like he he get he gets that he gets that press. He's the villain. He's the one. He's the one that betrayed. But if if such a villain, how can he have remorse 
for somebody. He feels. He feels the, pre- the pressure of the decision that, that I have messed up. Remorse fills his heart, showing a sense of conscious choice in the matter. And if he chose to act in betrayal, he's been a disciple. He knows that Jesus is the essence of forgiveness and of grace. He's been around him when there was a woman caught in the act of adultery and thrown at his feet, thrown there by the religious leaders saying the law says stone this woman. What say you? Judas is in the mix. He's not doing something else. He's in the mix. And if he has remorse over the fact that he did this to the Lord, conscious choice there is a conscious choice also that should have been available within him that says I know that there's forgiveness that's there but what happens the emotional drive and the instability of his emotions because of the graveness of his error leads him away from the answer leads him away from it And how often does this happen with us in the day of error? In the day of I've done wrong. In the day of I didn't get it right. I will add this pressure on top of myself. And adding this pressure on top of myself, could I be pushing away and rejecting where my key is? I hear somebody asking this question. I can hear it. I can hear it in my in my spirit. Because you 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 still got Judas in that in that villain type thought process. And you might even be saying that, yeah, but he he didn't deserve forgiveness. Really? Mm. Because because if we're gonna take the conversation there as to who does and who does not. Deserve forgiveness. Who does and who does not deserve salvation? Who does and who does not, based off of their actions, deserve the grace or the lack thereof, then I have to put myself in the category. I have to put myself in the category and in the mix and also say of me, is it deserving? Because we got to make sure that we're using the right parameter, using the right measuring rod. And for too many of us, for too long, we've looked at Brother Judas and used our own measuring rod to come to the conclusion that he didn't deserve it. It's not even really a conversation necessary on deserved or didn't deserve. It's a conversation on was it even available. And I'm saying that, yes, it was. But because of the emotional instability. My emotions are so rocked because I, I can't believe I did that. I, can, I can't believe I got so low. I can't believe that I got so wrong. I can't believe that I got so off. And in that so much of that, I can't believe what happens is that self-critic comes and pushes you down all the more and moves you away from what it is that God has said is you. We, we track and we get something. Remorse fills his heart. He's returned the 30 pieces of silver. 
And he comes to the conclusion that this is too far gone. So, goes out in the field and hangs himself. He goes out in the field and he hangs himself. He said that he has betrayed an innocent man. So, we see both of them in a time and experience of them running away from the Lord in the time when they needed him the most. We see both of them being demonically influenced. So we see these comparisons with their life. Yet only one gains the stride toward restoration. But as I just said, I believe that it was available to both. And this is why I say it, because, because he, the Lord is, is the very essence of the grace of God. He is the very definition of the grace of God. And for it to be available for all except one, that is an inconsistency and a character breach. And if there's a character breach, he ceases to be God. He, but he said that he's consistent. He's the Lord and he is one. And that he uh, uh, resolves within him that none would perish. How can we exclude Judas out of that none? I don't believe that we can, but I'm going to go somewhere right now that's, that's going to mess with your head because it messed with mine until I kept digging. Because I had, I had conversations uh, with, with people uh, about this message just to make sure that I was accurate in what it was that, that I was about to say. But then I went somewhere in the scriptures that seemed to debunk my entire case until I kept digging. So let's look at it. Uh, John 17, 12. I'm going to look at a, uh, just a couple more and then we're done. John 17, 12. This is the Lord's uh, prayer uh, to, to God. He prayed for his disciples. He prays for us in, in, in this discourse as well. But this particular part is him praying for, uh, for the disciples. Verse 12. While I was with these that you have given me, I have kept them safe by your name that you have given me. Not one of them is lost. This is con this con context here is praying for the disciples. 12. So not one of them is lost except the one that was destined to be lost. So that the scriptures would be fulfilled. So Jesus prays for the disciples and says, none were lost except the one destined to be lost. To which then that raises the question, as it did with me, wait a minute, Lord. Wait a minute. So you're saying that this guy is born with the hit on his head. That he has no other choice but to be destined to do something so atrocious. To which the Lord asked me, did I? He said, keep digging. What, what I didn't realize and what I forgot about was when you examine, uh, examine Judas prior to Satan entering him, there is a role that is paved in his decisions to where he is not 
moving in accountability. The biggest one is this. Did you know that not only was Judas the treasurer, but he stole money from the treasury on a regular basis? So when, when that was highlighted, that brought into me that he was not just this robot of a person being controlled to be destined to be lost. He participates throughout the life of a lifestyle that he chose of inconsistency in his decisions and not having his emotions being checked, uh, having a sense of accountability within his life. And out of the series of constantly moving in a lifestyle like that, he paves the road through unrighteousness for Satan to enter and for the job to be fulfilled. Stealing money. Constantly. Being checked on it. Made a fuss about the woman with the alabaster box who breaks the oil on the feet of the Lord in an act of worship says that that money should have been, this oil should have been sold and transferred into money so that we could go give it to the poor. That wasn't, that wasn't an act of righteousness coming from him. He wanted something to steal. Emotional instability. And I mean, I, I, I can't say this scripturally. I don't know if, if he got checked by the other disciples. Hey, man, you, you're a little off here. Hey, this, this is not how we operate. But what I do know is it was available. Why? The very presence of God is with them. He's a disciple of the Lord. You can't tell me it wasn't available. But because of emotional instability and that impulse perhaps that we all get in the day of error that I'm, I'm past finding out. I'm past redemption. God can't use nobody like me. I'm too far gone. And out of that conclusion, he continues down a path. Meanwhile, the evil one is waiting for that bread to be handed to him. Because the road's been paved up to this point. And then he's, he's not just under demonic influence. He literally gets possessed, enters him. Satan enters him. He becomes possessed but through a series of constant emotional impulses being unstable in his choices. He carved a path for Satan to enter him, possessing him to betray the Lord. So that said to me that the Lord wouldn't build all these beautiful people and then have this one here on the side that he just don't care about and that he made just so he would betray and be evil. No, 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 no. The series of choices that that brother made, just the same as it is for you and I. But the cross gives me the ability to choose something different. 
and for my impulses to lead me toward him in the day that I mess up. Not leading me away from him. Give me, uh, give me Psalm 61 verse 2. Psalm 61, this is an Old Testament reference, meaning that this was already a part of the law. and something that they knew as a principle within their life in Israel. From the end of the earth I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So he might not have had access to the, to the blood being shed yet and, and blood being spilled, but he did have access of something that I can do when my heart gets in an area of where it is overwhelmed. Because I'm very, very certain that, he came, that he's in moments within his life. He, did, he didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to be a thief. He didn't just wake up and say that I'm going to be like this. He has a series of things that happens within his life that leads him to the conclusion that this is okay. His heart has gotten to a place to where it has been overwhelmed, but he has not operated in the way of the prescription of being able to be led to the rock. I've got to be led to the rock, or in our case, being led to the rock of ages, being led to the one who is paid the price so that my heart's not constantly being overwhelmed in my day of weakness just because you have a weak moment does not mean that that is who you are there is still something about you that is over you that is greater than the weakness that you experience in that moment There's a greater story that is about you. There's a blood that says something better about you. There's something that's constantly speaking over you a better thing. And those of us who are spiritual, matter of fact, thank, thank you, Paul. We are given a, a remedy for this that when we find one who has fallen in a fault, at least in our context, we are supposed to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering ourselves. We have a duty to the brother and sisters that are in the faith that when we find you in a fault or find you in a low place or you find me within a low place, you can't let me stay there. I can't let you stay there. I can't let you stay wallowed in, in, in your own mind and wallowed in your own space within your mind that says that you are disqualified, that says that you're out, that says that you're not redeeming. That is not true. There was a price that was paid for you. Now let's get this thing right. Let's get ourselves cleaned up. Let's go ahead and eat the consequences if we've got to eat it. But we've got to move forward from here. We got to move forward from here. I, ca I can't let you stay here. But unfortunately, within the case of Judas, never got that chance. Because that emotional instability led him to say, my life's not worth living anymore. My life's not worth living anymore because of what I did, didn't do, said, didn't say. But when his heart was overwhelmed, he had an opportunity. He had an opportunity. He had one. Peter had one. We have one. And I'm saying to us that it it's in the stride. Build a stride that runs to, not run from. 
build a stride that runs to and not run from. Uh, go to uh, Colossians chapter 2. I'm going I'm to read this. this. This is just my favorite scripture as far as the, the finished work uh, of the cross, and I'm, and I'm done. Uh, I had John 21, but I'm going to skip over that because John 21 is the, the restoration uh, of Peter. And if you read it, you see that the Lord uh, is having breakfast with them. He asked Peter three times, do you love me? Peter responds three times that, that he does. I believe, honestly, to match the fact that three times he denied him. So three times you deny me, I'm going to give you a chance to clean it up. Three times, do you love me? And seals to deal with that. And, of course, we know the life that Peter lived further going forward. So the cross empowers us to run to the Lord and not run away from him. Listen, listen. What, whatever it is that happened, whatever it is that you did, whatever it is that you didn't do, who you did it with, and all, whatever the case may be, wherever it is that, that your emotions are leading you down this path uh, of thinking, that you would be better off being pushed away from. You would be better off uh, outside the church. You would be better off uh, uh, not joining yourself with a group of believers. That must be challenged because it's leading you in a place that, that is not going to be healthy. Because this is what's been made available to us. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation give me 15 you can play with me Ryan I'm, I'm done then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness Stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. There's an accusation that's been coming against you and wearing you down. Accusation of you can't. Accusation of you're not enough. Accusation of you're not doing enough. But that's been stripped. That spiritual authority and power to accuse has been stripped. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led those principalities around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. So that, that's big, that's big picture of what happened, right? As, as, a, as a result of the finished work of the cross. Now give me Hebrews. So because that, that's the big picture, here's what we do. So because we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, knows the weaknesses, and is acquainted with them, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin, 16. Let us therefore come boldly. This is us. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace in the time that we need it. So in my day of error, in my day where I might have come into agreement with the stride that led me away from. 
I'm now invited because the legal, the, uh, the legal violations against me and the accusations against me have been canceled and nailed to the cross as a public spectacle. Now I have the ability to come boldly before the throne when I need, when do I need in my weakness? When I need, truth be told, in my strength as well. At all points. But that thing within us that tries to push us away when we need it the most has been done away with and with boldness we're able to come before the throne. Give me my last one, First, uh, first John 1, 9. But if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Build a stride that pushes you toward him. Gain ground, advance, progress toward the arms of the Father. The way of the cross has built that bridge to where I have somewhere to run to. Not be repulsed and run, and run away from. Not have to have in my mind the thought of will I be welcomed when I get there. The way has been made. The arms are open. And there's a stride that we need you to get on that pushes you toward. Why? So that you might be restored. That your soul might be able to be restored. And that you will be able to be put back in, in, in your internal world. In the sense of confidence of who God has called you to be. That you will be able to stand flat footed within that call on your life. So that the earth is able to be blessed because of the kingdom that is within you. There's something within you. There's something that's going on within you and we need that to be released. But if, I'm in, I, if I am emotionally unstable, I'm not in a position to really be able to bless the planet like I am supposed to. How do I know that? Because you're here. No one just gets here to have a good time. Here on assignment. You're here on assignment. So let's get those emotions regulated. Get those desires and those impulses being impacted by the truth that has come by way of the cross. So that anything that tries to talk me into something else that is contrary, I am by way of the Spirit of God able to put it in its proper place and only accept the truth of what He's spoken over me. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and celebrate the word. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet, please. Go ahead and dismiss you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Shine his face upon you, establish you, give you peace. And help you in building that stride. From, from the things that we would consider great to the things that we would consider minor. In all areas, in my internal world, I would never run away from him. But I would always run toward the arms of my loving father in jesus name you are dismissed thank you so much for being with us online in the room we love you we'll see you next week god bless you